Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go ahead and follow EthosFantasyBB if you guys are on Twitter a lot. That is where all of our new content will be dropped on the baseball side, whether it be fantasy baseball or a real-life baseball piece articles, podcasts, notes that will go out right onto Twitter. It's all there for you at Ethos Fantasy BB. And like I mentioned yesterday, we are going to be pulling together a draft guide here at Sports Ethos. It will feature all the things you typically see in a draft guide. We're going to hope to differentiate ourselves a bit from the pack, but it'll feature rankings, it'll feature sleepers, it'll feature busts, it'll feature those usual things that you guys are looking for when you're prepping for your draft. So be on the lookout. That's going to be starting to come out in over the next month. I'm going to say probably in February is when that stuff is going to start being released. We're still putting together the plan, figuring out who's doing what and all that stuff behind the scenes. But be on the lookout for the draft guide and a bunch of other things that are going to be coming at Ethos Fantasy BB. And of course, at sportsethos.com as well. That's where you can get it right from the source. Now today, we're going to take a break from doing the rankings. I mean, we only did catcher. It's not like we really got into it so much. I did catcher. I'm going to do first base. We're probably going to get into that tomorrow because I've got most of my first base rankings done. But I wanted to talk about some of the news that's happened over the last couple days. There's been quite a few things that have happened uh, that we need to talk about. Specifically, I mean, there's a couple things that are more important than other things that we're going to focus on today. And potentially, we might even do a new show today and tomorrow. But we're going to start off with something that I, I really should have mentioned yesterday. And I really feel terrible that I didn't mention it yesterday because I was planning on talking about it. And then when I was recording, there was a bunch of stuff happening in the background and I didn't have it on my sheet. So it just, you know, we were talking about catchers. I didn't put it on there, but I do want to mention it and that Liam Hendricks is going to be missing an undetermined amount of time uh, with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He does have cancer. Horrible, just, just shit news. Just like uh, cancer is something that hits me very closely because I have a lot of my family. Whenever you hear somebody has cancer, it, it always is very serious. Uh, even though, from what I understand, uh, with Liam Hendricks' situation, he is expected to make a full recovery, uh, but he's going to be out for quite a while. And I want to talk about, you know, we're going to mention the fantasy aspect of it, of course, but I, I do want to just say, like, for Liam Hendricks, wishing him all the best, everybody in the White Sox organization, his family, his friends, it, it's just an awful break for him. And you saw it from all across Major League Baseball. He was getting support from teams and players. Uh, one of the great things about sports, I know that's not <clears throat> really what you guys are here for. You're here for the fantasy content, but it's one of the great things about sports when everybody kind of comes together and is able to unite behind one cause, whether we saw with DeMar Hamlin last week, or I guess it was a week ago yesterday uh, when DeMar Hamlin got injured on Monday Night Football, and the entire sports world got behind him. We saw the same thing happen to a lesser extent with Liam Hendricks because it, it's not as big of a, a thing as a Monday Night Football, somebody passing out 
almost passing away on the field. Uh, not something we see very often. And we don't really see this kind of thing very often either. But, I mean, we, we got the support. He got the support that we were expecting him to get throughout the community. All, all the teams in baseball sending him love over on Twitter and everywhere else. It, it really makes you step back from the fantasy part of it because I know a lot of the time I'm guilty of this. So a lot of us are guilty of this. We'll, we don't even think of these guys as real people. We will look at their stats. We will look at different things, you know, their performance on the field mostly. And, you know, especially for fantasy players, that's kind of all that is important to us. And we saw it last year with Josh Hader quite a bit. I know I've talked about it on the show at length throughout the season, throughout the offseason. Josh Hader dealt with personal problems last year with his wife's pregnancy. There was complications once the kid was born. I think he was traded. We kind of ignore those real-life aspects, and we just kind of look at them as, as robots to accumulate stats for our teams. Real people. We're talking about real individuals. Liam Hendricks is, by all accounts, a great individual. And he's somebody where, you know, he's somebody I've already liked watching him, listening to him being interviewed. He seems like a really great guy. So, we are wishing him all the best here, of course. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back on the, on the field sometime this season. Now, we are not sure when that is going to be. Um, they have said it's going to be indefinite that he's going to be out for. I haven't heard anybody say specifically one way or the other how long they expect because it's, it's cancer, right? We don't know what his recovery is going to look like, if he's going to play at all the season. It's... It's a very, very tricky situation with Liam Hendricks. And the fantasy point of view, and it feels kind of shitty to even mention it, but, I mean, you know, we have to talk about who is going to replace him. Uh, I would expect it to be, and I think most people are expecting it to be Kendall Graveman. He is somebody who, you know, he's been a closer in the past. Uh, he got six saves to them last year. He's somebody who is, you know, he's a fairly viable replacement option there. Uh, he saved a little bit with Seattle as well in 2021, I believe. He's... He's not great, Kendall Graveman, but he's a he's a solid enough fill-in considering especially they don't have to go outside the organization. He's somebody that they can just slot in there from that, you know, from that setup role, move him up. Everybody moves up a slot essentially uh, in that bullpen in terms of seniority. Now, in terms of where he's being drafted, he's actually going pretty low. I'm looking at draft champions since the start of December, which is what we've been doing, and his ADP is 537. You don't have to spend really anything on him at this point. His price is going to go up. If you're drafting right now, <clears throat> I mean, people likely know this news already, but there are still some people who might draft just based on ADP. Uh, it really depends where you're drafting. If you're in the NFBC, people are throwing you know hard-earned dollars at these drafts, depending on where you're drafting. Might be fifty bucks, might be one hundred and fifty bucks, might be more. They likely are aware of the situation. Now, you might be drafting, <clears throat> you know on fan tracks or maybe, I don't know, wherever else. Maybe you're just doing mock drafts or just trying to get a feel for the player pool. He's generally going to be going lower than – at right current price is going to be the lowest he's going to be now for the rest of draft season. At 537, uh, it, it's not going to stay there for very long. Now, where is he going to jump up to? That's really hard to say. I think probably inside of the top 300 – you know, you're getting saves on a good team, uh, an undetermined length of time as well. He might be the closer for the entire season. So I think Kendall Graveman is going to be worth a draft pick. He's going to go somewhere. My guess is he jumps up about 200 spots and he goes, you know, three between like 290 and 310 kind of range. That would be my expectation. Maybe he goes even a little bit higher. I think it's possible. Saves are just so hard to come by, uh, but we are definitely going to see him move up in drafts. And I think that for the most part, 
Uh, it's going to be okay to draft him as long as that price doesn't get too high. He's going to be fine. He's going to get you saves. He's going to give you, you know, fairly average strikeout and walk numbers. The last couple of years, the strikeout number has been pretty good. Uh, walk numbers, you know, about 9%. Strikeouts between, you know, 27% last year, 23% this year. Typically for his career, he's been a bit lower than that, but <clears throat> maybe he can maintain that 25-ish kind of range while still walking about 9% of batters. That would be fine if he's given you what he's given you these last couple of seasons in ERA. In the three range, maybe 20, 25 saves, depending on how long Liam Hendricks is out for. Now, in terms of drafting Liam Hendricks himself, I don't think you can do it. If you're in a DC, he's going to get drafted still. Like, he is going to be somebody that people take a chance on him, whether it's, you know, I pick 150, 200, or if he ends up falling to like the six, 700 range, he's going to get drafted, I would imagine, in every single draft. But in you're talking about your 10, 12-team leagues, which those drafts aren't really underway yet, your your home leagues, ESPN, whatnot, Yahoo, he's not somebody where I would really be drafting him. Maybe you take him with your last pick and throw him in the IL. Actually, you know what? I think about it. That's probably the wisest thing to do. Uh, somebody's going to take him, but if you're playing in a league with no IL slots, it's going to be pretty hard to just sit him on your bench the entire year and take a zero. We don't, we don't really know what's going to happen. And it's not something where, you know, you can look and it's, you know, it's a hamstring pull or it's a, a shoulder thing or whatever it is where there's a fairly, you know, <clears throat> fairly predictable time frame. with cancer. We, we have no idea what's going to happen with Liam Hendricks. So wishing him all the best. Hopefully he's back out there at some point this season, but until we know anything else, um, Kendall Graveman is going to be the guy that you should be drafting. And I feel shitty talking about it from a fantasy point of view. I really do. Cause it just doesn't matter when you're, when you're looking at the real life implications here. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we're still gonna be doing drafts as, as awful as it feels, you know, life, you know, life will continue. Fantasy will continue, even though it's, it feels less important. Kendall Graveman is the guy that I would be targeting there in, uh, in your drafts. Now let's talk about the news of today. Fairly big news. Carlos Correa, he's finally signed, we think. I mean, we don't really know for sure. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? Maybe he backs out of this one or the team backs out of this one. I don't know. Six years, $200 million back to Minnesota for Carlos Correa. And I don't know. If I'm the Twins, if I'm Twins fans, uh, you know, you know, I don't know. It's like asking a girl out to prom and she says no to you. And then she asks two other guys. And those guys say no to her, and then she comes back to you and says, you want to go out to prom? It's like, yeah, I guess. You know, I, I wouldn't feel great about it at that point. I guess if you have no other options, you'd still go, but you kind of feel not as important, and it's un understandable, too. Um, you know, the Giants thought they had him. The Mets thought they had him. For me, uh, the thing is, if Steve Cohen isn't willing to just throw money, because he is the richest owner in baseball, he is – he is filthy rich. He prints money. If he doesn't want to throw money at Carlos Correa, who is, you know, as much as I like to shit on the guy, he's a great player. If he is not willing to throw that money at Correa, then it makes you wonder what's really going on underneath the hood there. Is there something really that serious? These injuries that they've talked about from before his pro days, is this even real? Is it, I don't even know. Was it just an excuse to not sign him? I have no idea. But I don't know why the Mets and the Giants both backed out and the Twins, you know, ended up signing him. Now, the term went down drastically. We were looking at, I think, 11 and 13-year deals, respectively, with the Mets and Giants, 13 and 12. There, I think it was something like that. Now we're looking at a six-year deal. 
Average annual value has gone up to 33 million, where before it was somewhere in the 20s, I believe. Uh, you're giving up, and it's like we've talked about here over the last couple of weeks. You know, this is more of a classic, you know, contract from five, seven, ten years ago. Shorter value, maybe more money than you would have seen, but you know, the structure of it, shorter term with a higher annual value. It's the contracts I think that make the most sense. Now, the thing with Carlos Correa is now he's in a little bit of a pickle because he's going to be 34 years old at the end of this contract, kind of an in-between age of, you know, he's not going to get another big contract, but he's also, you know, he's going to still play most likely, you'd think. Maybe he shifts the third or shortstop or some, or not shifts the shortstop, shifts the third, shifts the DH or whatever he's going to do uh, to try and, you know, stretch out his career. But he doesn't have that, you know, Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner kind of term where, that's the last contract those guys are ever going to sign. Correa is going to need to try and sign another one after this, you know, assuming his body holds up through it. I'm just, I don't love it. I, I don't love him going back to Minnesota for, for a couple of different reasons. I think, first of all, there is that kind of settling for both sides. I mean, Minnesota wanted him, but he didn't want them. He's, he's settling to go back there. I'm not sure what the reception is going to be like for him. Uh, if that even is going to make a difference. But, you know, mind games do. We were just talking about a second ago how these are actually real individuals. There is going to be some mental stuff there. Like, Correa did not want to be here. He's here now because I don't think he had any other options, really. And so there's that hanging over both the team, uh, the player, and the fans. Second thing is that we can throw that short or that third base eligibility that we were hoping for and planning on with Correa out the window. He is not going to be playing third base this season. And that's going to put him back down. You know, we talked about with Matt Williams a couple weeks ago how that would boost Correa pretty safely into the top 100 draft picks. Now you can push him back down to where he's going before. And let's just see where he's going in these current drafts. I think he's just after 100 or so. 122. The 15th shortstop off the board by ADP. I think that's probably about where he should go. You know, if he had maintained or if he had got that third base eligibility then you're probably putting him up into the Wander Franco, Tim Anderson range, maybe even higher, like probably the 11th or so shortstop if he had that third base eligibility as well, um, if that makes sense. I, I know it would move him to third base, but in terms of where he'd be drafted with the shortstops, probably in that range or even higher, you know, the 90s, maybe even the late 80s kind of range. Like you could argue if he had third base, you'd want him as much or maybe more than Tommy Edmond, maybe as much because – you know, Edmund's going to steal bases for you, but we're not sure where he is in the lineup. It would have moved up Correa substantially, is my point. Now, he's still going to be shortstop. He's not going to be playing much third base at all. I'd imagine it's Jose Miranda over there for the most part. Maybe Correa. I don't even think he's going to play at all there, really. Um, it's It kind of sucks, because we were planning in the back of our heads on him having that eligibility. Now he's not going to. He's still going to be fine, but it kind of you know sends us back to where we were with him a few weeks ago of better real life player than fantasy player. You give him a, a premier position like that for fantasy, like third base, which is fairly scarce. Then, you know, you're, you're talking a little bit different story, but uh, I just, I just can't get that excited about drafting him to be with Minnesota. They're a good team. They're a good enough team, but uh, I don't know. They're not a great team. Other than him, you got Byron Buxton, who, you know, he's, he's a great player when he's healthy. But how healthy he's going to be is a huge question. Jorge Polanco coming off a really down year. Maybe he turns it around. Maybe he doesn't. Luis Arise is a really good player. But how much he's going to impact you know, the team as a whole, 
you know, he's going to hit 300, but in terms of his fantasy outlook, I don't know how much he's going to really boost other guys around him. He'll be driven in quite a bit probably by the guys below him, but this this lineup as a whole is is just kind of okay. Whereas if he had went to the Mets, you move him up if he was on the Mets just because of the lineup, and then you put in the third base eligibility, you're looking at 30, 40 draft slots maybe. Even San Francisco, I think you would have moved him up a little bit there if he was in the middle of that lineup with Haniger, with Yastrzemski, uh, with Flores, with Estrada. I-, I would probably have preferred him in that lineup, even though it's fairly close. Ballpark is worse than San Francisco, I believe. But it, I think this is probably, of all the destinations, the worst place that could have happened to him. For fantasy, in terms of the expectations or the possibilities of San Francisco, New York, Minnesota, this is the worst one for him because of the team, because of the positional eligibility. So he's still going to be a good shortstop to draft at fantasy. He's just not going to be an elite guy to draft. Like he's one of the last shortstops, probably arguably the last one that I'd feel comfortable drafting as my like actual shortstop, as opposed to a utility or a corner infield or a middle infielder, excuse me. He's probably about the last one. And, you know, I think, I think he's fine to conclude. I think that he is, I'm, I'm probably underselling him. Like he's better than fine, but I'm just kind of disappointed from a fantasy point of view. Like I was thinking we were going to see a lot more runs in RBIs next season. I don't think we will. I think we're going to see something similar to what we've seen these years past. And even this year, 70 runs, 64 RBIs. I don't think it'll get that much better. You know, maybe combined he gives you 150 or so. But not not the rosiest outlook for Correa going back to Minnesota. Not as far as I see it anyway. But let's move on. Let's talk about the next piece of news. Brandon Belt coming to the Blue Jays. Now, I feel very different about this when you talk about a real-life standpoint versus a fantasy standpoint. Let's start with the real-life standpoint. Great move for the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are always in need of left-handed bats, and now they went out and got themselves a serious power-hitting lefty. And just looking at fan graphs, actually, now, because I haven't looked at the roster resource for the Blue Jays until just a second since this trade. They have Brandon Belt slotted in as the DH. We have um, Kirky slotted, Alejandro Kirk slotted behind the plate, and then Danny Jansen moved to the bench. I don't love that. And especially because we just got through with catcher rankings and how high I was on the Blue Jays catchers, specifically Alejandro Kirk. Now, I don't think he'll be impacted that much, but it will still impact him a little bit. And it'll impact Jansen as well, which honestly, it just really pisses me off from the fantasy point of view. Because Jansen and Kirk were both just freed up. They just got Moreno out of there. There was going to be no questions about who's playing where, who's playing how much. It was going to be Kirk. And Jansen splitting time between the DH spot and the catcher slot. And there was nobody else to really worry about. You know, maybe there's the odd day. There is going to be the odd day where they sit and they give somebody else a chance to DH, you know, whether it's Guerrero or Springer or Chapman or whoever. Now, Brandon Belt's going to get a lot of those opportunities to DH. Maybe he'll spell off Vladdy once or twice, but Vladdy plays a lot. Vladdy is a guy who's going to get 650 plus plate appearances if he's healthy. He's not going to want to sit. He's a young guy. He's fairly durable to this point in his career. He's not going to need, you know, 20, 25 days off throughout the year. It's going to be like one or two for him. Brandon Belt signing for more than $9 million. You have to figure, and it was $9.3 million. Yeah, $9.3 million. You got to figure that he's going to be starting at least most of the time, a lot of the time anyway. Like, probably we can book him in for 100 games played this season. And that right there irks me because of the Jansen and the Kirk situation. Will they still play a lot? Yes. They're still going to need to put a catcher in the lineup every single day. I think it'll be more so an impact on Danny Jansen than will be on Kirk. 
I had Jansen as my 12th catcher. I have Kirk as my fourth catcher in my rankings. Probably going to have to tinker with them a little bit, and this is why I was saying yesterday and on Friday that they're not finished yet. The rankings are you know, preliminarily done. Preliminarily? I guess that's a word. Preliminarily done in terms of catcher, but you know, there's still three months left until we actually play ball. Two and a half months, three months, whatever it is. So things are going to move around. Things like this will make you have to reevaluate where you're going to rank people. I think Jansen will move down a couple of slots. For me, I don't think Kirk will because I don't think his playing time will be impacted that much. Maybe he'll get, you know, five or ten less games throughout the course of the year, but that for me wouldn't really move him down as of right now. Like, other than the Jays bringing in another actual catcher, which is not going to happen, or Kirk getting injured, I don't want to move him down because I think that he is pretty fairly slotted. I talked about on the Friday pod how he and Adley Rutschman and Sal Perez are really close. And I actually, going into the Friday pod, had Rutschman ahead of Kirk, and then when I was recording here, I kind of switched up because I honestly think that Kirk is going to have a better season than Rutschman, even with Brandon Belt acquired and Belt taking away some of those some of those at-bats that are going to be available from the DH slot, which is 90% of the time next year for the Jays, was going to be filled up by a catcher. Now, in terms of the real-life standpoint, I know I said I was going to start with the real life and then move to fantasy. I kind of just went right into fantasy there. I think it's a really good move for the Blue Jays. They always need another left-handed bat, and they've brought in a couple this offseason. Sure, they got Varsho. They've got um, they got Brandon Belt now. They got Kevin Kiermeyer. They got Kevin Biggio on the bench. I think that this is a solid move. Like ideally, I wouldn't want Belt to be playing every single day. I think that, and I don't think he'll play every single day. I think he's probably going to be like I said about a hundred games or so. I think it's a great, great piece of depth for the Blue Jays getting a guy like him who is a power hitter who also walks a crazy amount. Just this past year, 12% walk rate. Year before, 12, 16, 13, 10, 14. For the career, he's a 12% walk rate guy. 23% strikeout rate. You'll take that every single day because he's walking as much as he is. Power is there. It has been there for most of his career. We're talking almost every year he's given you upper teens in terms of home runs. Uh, Going back to 2013, it's 17, 12, 18, 17, 18, 14, 17, And then in 2021, he hit 29 of them, which is kind of an outlier for him, sure. This past year, he went back down to eight, only playing in 78 games. I believe he dealt with some injury trouble this year. I think that for him, from a fantasy point of view, it's it's probably a good move. Now, you're getting a guy who was going to be – what kind of role he's going to have in San Francisco, I'm not really sure. Now he's going to a team where he's going to play, I don't think, like I said, not every day, but for where he is – being drafted right now at 519 on average I think it's probably worth it in a DC just because you're going to get those at bats you're going to still have some power numbers there coming in I don't think it's going to be crazy levels of production we're not going to see that 2021 version of him where he hit close to 30 home runs but I still think that we're going to see probably a pretty decent you know steamers projections feel pretty okay 13 homers 40 RBIs, 39 runs. Those will probably be a little bit higher because I'm not even sure if they've changed these yet since he went to Toronto. But somewhere in the middle teens for home runs, you know, between 12 and seven, 12 and 18 home runs, probably 100 or so runs plus RBIs. And, you know, the batting average, we don't really know what to expect because for his career, he's been a pretty good batting average guy. 261 mark for the career. This past year, he was at 213. So, you know, look at the previous couple of years, 274, 309, 234. He's bounced around quite a bit. Not really sure what to expect there. But, 
you know, I'm still pretty happy uh, to take him where he is going, considering it's it's going to be so low in these drafts. It's going to go up a little bit probably now that he's in Toronto. Now, I'm not sure if he was going, supposed to be starting in San Francisco, if he was going to be in the starting lineup for them. I think he probably was. Um, but will, was it going to be J.D. Davis? I can't even remember now what it said on roster resource. Maybe I think it probably would have been Belt starting still. Uh, but now we have um, – it's going to be J.D. Davis over there and Belt DHing in Toronto. So one more thing we are going to talk about here. I do think it's a good move overall for the Blue Jays. It might nerf the catchers a little bit. But overall, it's not something that's going to make me drastically change anything. Jansen will go down one or two slots probably, but that's about it. One more thing we're going to talk about today, and I think we'll do some more new stuff tomorrow as well just to, to break it up a little bit. Johnny Cueto. This one is weird. I don't really understand it. Johnny Cueto signing with the Marlins. I don't know why they signed Johnny Cueto. I think it's kind of strange. I think they were already pretty set up for pitching. Like they already have like seven viable starting pitchers in Miami. I I don't know what the purpose of this is unless they are trading somebody else. But as of right now, he's slotted in. In the, in the starting rotation on roster resource. Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Johnny Cueto, Jesus Lazardo, and Edward Cabrera. You figure this has to be the first part of some kind of trade that's going to happen. There's going to be something, right? That's like This can't be it for them. And I think it was Nick Pollock who tweeted out earlier today. I think it was Nick Pollock. Here it is. So they got Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Cueto, Lazardo, Trevor Rogers, Edward Cabrera, Sixto Sanchez, Braxton Garrett, Yuri Perez, it's absolute madness how many starting pitchers they have. You have to figure that there will be a trade coming in at some point. In terms of Johnny Cueto's value, I don't think it's terribly high. Like, I, I wouldn't expect anything that crazy from him, really. I mean, let's see where he's even going in drafts right now. 527. I wouldn't reach up to grab him too much. I think that that's probably fine. If you're going to take him somewhere in that kind of range, uh, you know, he had a really good year last year. Is he going to repeat it? I doubt it. I, I really don't expect us to see, uh, you know, a sub-3-5 ERA from Cueto again. I think it's a weird signing. You know, maybe it's just for depth. Maybe it's so that they can trade somebody else or a couple other guys. I don't know. It doesn't really, I don't know. And we have to see what happens next from it because as of right now, it doesn't really make the most sense. We're going to have to see what the next piece of the puzzle is, whether it's a Pablo Lopez trade or a Jesus Lozardo trade or a couple of prospects get dealt or or whatever it is, we're going to have to really see um, what's going on from there. But guys, that is going to do it for us today. We'll pick this up again tomorrow, talk about some different, uh, well, we'll see what happens overnight. If there's no real big news, maybe I'll just talk about my first base rankings. There's still a couple of other little things we could talk about, but I think we'll probably end up doing tomorrow as a news show as well. Uh, until then, though, you guys can find me over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99 at ethos fantasy bb that's where all of our stuff is posted out from and of course if you guys could leave a rating and review on the way out we'd really appreciate that guys take care and we'll see you tomorrow cheers temple university is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the u.s through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.